0: This is Inspiring Design, where unique innovators come together to share their knowledge, share their insight, and keep us up to date with the latest industry trends. And here's your host, Rashan Senanayake. What's up listeners welcome to inspiring design this is where the best of the best brands experts change makers and thought leaders come together to share their valuable insights experience and knowledge our goal here is to be the missing link between education design and the industry so today here i've actually got a very special guest and a colleague of mine to speak about online design education so let me welcome Madeline Taylor from QUT. Now, I will give a little bit of a background on Madeline before we bring her on. Madeline is a fashion and performance designer, researcher, and educator. She's a lecturer at fashion at QUT and a PhD candidate at the Victorian College of Arts in the University of Melbourne. Her research focuses on the interpersonal dynamics of collaboration, effectively addressing the questions how can we work together better. With almost two decades of professional experience, she has worked on over 90 production theatres, dance, opera, circus, contemporary performance and film around Australia and the UK. More recently, I have worked with Madeline in the design intensive delivery at QUT for the first years involving over 600 students all online. So without further ado, let's get straight into it. Madeline, welcome to Inspiring Design. Can we start off with a little bit of background on yourself, your
1: story? What's your history? Yeah, sure. Um, So I have been working um, mostly in performance design and in fashion since about 2003. Um, Mm -hmm. And I was i um, very fortunate to start kind of a, off in the industry as an apprentice um, in the f- in costume workshop at Queensland Theatre Company and then kind of transition slowly into more design work um, and over the last kind of decade have been increasingly fascinated by the interpersonal dynamics of how we work together. And this is um, something that's kind of really informed my research in recent years. Um, so I started a PhD. Um, about three or four years ago, and look that's looking at how designers and technicians work together to kind of create a shared aesthetic understanding of mm-hmm. um, the work that they're creating together. Because I think there's a kind of um, bit of a disconnect, I think, between what um, we say we do and what we do. And I'm very interested in particular in how technical staff kind of take the information that designers give them and use that to kind of make their own aesthetic judgments and progress the design further um, through prototyping and kind of those technical kind of um, challenges. And I think the more that you can kind of short-circuit the communication and trust building process in that, um, that relationship, the kind of quicker you're going to get to an outcome that everybody's going to be happy with. It's going to have the kind of the design resolution that the designer is looking for.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: so, yeah, that's kind of my area of interest. Um, I've been teaching at QUT as a sessional staff member for uh, seven or eight years and also kind of teaching, doing some teaching at University of Melbourne since I started doing my PhD there uh, in the design um, schools. And uh, that's also made me very interested in how we can teach students collaboration, because I think there's a little bit of a sense that we can kind of, if you know, because we, as practitioners, get so used to doing it, we kind of forget that it has to be its a learned skill. And so yeah. how do you teach that one that kind of often feels like it's a tacit skill or an innate ability? Um, I don't think that's necessarily true. I think we can teach that stuff, uh, but it's quite often we kind of send students into groups and go go forth, <laughs> you know, yeah. collaborate. Um, And we don't necessarily give them the kind of uh, underpinning structures that might help them navigate that situation. And, you know, if they do have challenges in their team, quite often you go, oh, that's a learning experience. That's how you learn to design is kind of overcoming those challenges together. Mm, But it can be a pretty fraught way of learning. So I Mm -hmm. think kind of providing some more kind of underpinning information and um, ideas about how students can navigate those situations is really important.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And obviously that kind of thing, it, it's a vital skill, I think, towards their, um, what do you call learning? And um, it's, so this is, I think, something I've seen evident within, I think, your leadership, at the um, design intensive at QUT. So, if we get straight into that, can you give the listeners a little bit of background on what the design intensive was?
1: Yeah, sure. So, Um, The design intensive at QUT has been kind of running in various, lots of different iterations for more than a decade. Um, Last year we were kind of running it as a camp where students went away and spent two and a half days kind of working in the bush together to create a kind of a design project. Um, This year we were planning to run it um, in the botanic gardens where students had to kind of create a um, biophilic inspired design inspired by the landscape that they were in these botanic gardens. and kind of respond to a brief to create that. Then, of course, coronavirus came along, um, and we had to radically rethink kind of the learning, the teaching, and the assessment for this um, unit. Uh, because rather than sudden, rather than kind of spending two and a half days outside together, kind of physically building prototypes and kind of responding to the natural environment they were going to be in, instead this intensive was going to be delivered online with everybody kind of working remotely and having to come together on kind of online platforms. But we still wanted to have the focus on um, learning how to collaborate, learning how to work with interdisciplinary groups, working how to create kind of solve kind of big interdisciplinary problems. Um, So, kind of working with those challenges uh, and still but still kind of provide a really great learning experience for the students um and we had to move pretty rapidly we kind of found out we kind of had confirmation that we needed to move online about a fortnight or kind of 10 days before we had to deliver the, the program yeah. um so <laughs> that was a big challenge in itself um just trying to kind of redevelop what what our plan was um really quite significantly um but yeah i think we managed a really great program and i'm really proud of what um students managed to achieve and what we managed to achieve in that time Mm -hmm. Um, and we decided to shift the brief to really respond to the situation we were finding ourselves in so rather than kind of getting people students to come up with a kind of physical item that allowed for kind of this um, human non-human interaction Think about how we can form a place attachment remotely. So really kind of make use of the fact that everybody was going to be working remotely. Everybody Mm -hmm. is now kind of a lot of people are now kind of stuck in their apartments or houses um, and aren't having much natural, natural natural environment connection. So how can we kind of take this situation we're in and turn it into a learning experience? and hopefully address some of the kind of anxiety and um, kind of issues the students were experiencing themselves as they kind of made this transition.
0: Yeah, and, and uh, the quality of output in terms of the ideas that came out of it, there were some really cool ones that, um, that actually surprised me.
1: <laughs> oh, my gosh. It was really exciting. So we asked the students to come up with something that had a digital manifestation, so something that had like a kind of an online presence or some kind of um, something that could be accessed remotely, and also, then has some kind of physical presence. So, te- making something manifest in the gardens, but so people who were coming to the gardens could actually kind of access this design experience or design intervention the students yeah. were coming up with. Um, and yeah, some of the kind of ideas that the students were coming up with were so rich. Uh, it was really, really <laughs> thrilling yeah. to see what they were creating.
0: Yeah. No, absolutely. And so, what were the numbers in terms of the students and, and then the staff ratio? How was that managed?
1: Yes, yeah, so we had about 630 students enrolled. Um, so we had about 330, I think we did two, and a half, two blocks, so two and a half days and then a second two and a half days over the kind of Monday to Friday. Um, so we had 330 students for the first one and I think just over 300 for the second um, kind of block. And Mm. we were really conscious about trying to kind of keep the studio staff ratio that we had planned. Um, So we kind of have 18 students in studio um, per staff member. And so we kept that ratio um, for the online thing, mostly because we knew that we need the students uh, would need that kind of support, particularly because this was a first year, first semester subject um so really kind of really emerging designers um and they're, they're this intensive is happening six weeks into their course so they're really they're very, <laughs> they're very fresh <laughs> in, in their process learning um learning process so we, yeah, we kept that um ratio uh, we were very lucky that we had some really experienced um staff members like yourself you know how long you've been doing the intensive kind of in was seven, yeah, years.
0: I think my first one was 2013, so it's seven years, seventh year, I guess.
1: <laughs> yeah, which is so that's fantastic. So we had a mix of people who had done the intensive um, uh, before and some people who were newer. We tried to keep them kind of, we did teaching pairs, so which mm-hmm. would help to kind of in terms of kind of relieving the pressure on the staff um, and then also kind of providing a mix of disciplines and a mix of um, kind of perspectives when students went for feedback. Um so that helped with that, that, that kind, of, um, uh, kind of making sure there was a really interdisciplinary mix, skill mix.
0: Yeah, yeah, and, and I think the question, sorry, sorry, I didn't mean yeah. to cut you off, but I think the thing that I'm wondering and, the, and a lot of the questions that I get from educators is within this whole online thing, how do you keep accountability and quality within the teaching and learning experience? Like, did you have any tactics and tips and tricks for the listeners?
1: Oh, for sure. I mean, I think um, having teaching pairs really helped because we did then make kind of make sure that kind of um, that there was a, if there was a skills gap or an issue that that was addressed. We had daily check-ins as well with all the tutoring staff. So that helped with in terms of kind of keeping sure making sure everybody was on the same page in terms of messaging, in terms of how people were resolving problems, in terms of how many times students were kind of touching in with tutors. Um we also, and that kind of also kind of allowed for practice sharing. So quite often the tutors were coming up with some really brilliant ideas about how to handle situations and which would be able to pass that information along. Mm-hmm. Um, we also were very conscious about what the student journey was going to be throughout this whole intensive. And so we kind of fairly closely mapped um, when they'd be checking in, how they'd be checking in, kind of the interactions that would be happening um, yeah. and provided a lot of materials and guidance in terms of how that should be occurring um, both for information for the tutors and in terms of PowerPoints and kind of materials to give them um, provide how ways to answer questions and also um, for the student provided a kind of really clear schedule and kind of guidance about the tasks that they should be achieving kind of yeah yeah,
0: yeah and what, what were the platforms like the the software application you guys used?
1: Um, so we used zoom for a lot of mm-hmm. our face to face um or kind of you know uh <laughs> digital face to face learning yeah. um and that worked really successfully um obviously you know we had a kind of zoom worked really hard over the last kind of few weeks to kind of provide a really stable um and um reliable platform and they that came, that worked for us mm-hmm. um and we also had some kind of I offered the students a few different platforms in terms of how they were going to work together and kind Mm -hmm. of asked them to kind of do the research about which platform they were going to use as their primary platform and incorporate that into the task. Um, So we often made a few suggestions, which were WordPress, um, using the Google Documents kind of slide suite, um, and also Miro, which I Mm -hmm. cannot recommend highly enough.
0: (laughs) Yeah,
1: Miro (laughs) was definitely the shining star in terms of the platform that we um, used. Um, because it, firstly, um, was fantastic in kind of providing a really kind of dynamic and kind of organic way for students to think about their process, and mm-hmm. but and also kind of map the process. Um, and the other thing in terms of academic integrity that's really exciting about Miro is that it kind of every time a student touches the board, it um, captures that data. So you can go through if you want to later, and if you have any issues around in terms of um, group contrib- member contributions or things like that, you can access that information and find out who's been doing what on the board. So in terms yeah, of, absolutely. and also that kind of um, making sure that the students are doing things regularly, like in terms of academic integrity, Miro is really strong. So that's a kind of a hot tip.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think that that's a, that's a definite giveaway. I didn't know that about um, the fact that it captures that. That's it's pretty cool because mm. there's another platform similar to Miro called Mural. Yeah. And, um, I don't know if that one actually uses that, uh, we've used mural for, for some work practices and, uh, and that's been helpful, but, um, we've actually transitioned into mural personally after, after the design intensive, just for practical purposes. So that's pretty cool actually. now yeah. how, what's the main difference do you think in terms of, um, the learning and teaching experience? Compared to obviously in person and, and, uh, and online, what are the biggest challenges
1: mm. well, I think um, one of the things that we were really uh, mindful about was um, providing um, and the quality of experience. so I think one of the things that uh, kind of everybody's wrestling with right now is how you can provide an equality of experience if people don't necessarily having. Um, internet access issues or using computers that are kind of, you know, like they don't have access to computers and things like that, where they previously might be working on campus. Um, So we were really kind of mindful in terms of when we were discussing the group formation and kind of group practices with our students, just for them to think about um, you know, if someone has caring responsibilities, if someone doesn't have access to regular internet, if they're sharing the computer with their little brother who's also having to do, you know, assessment or whatever, how do you negotiate that and making that part of the team discussions? Yep. Um, and so kind of providing kind of students with going, okay, if, if this person isn't going to be, Um, able to access things, what can they be doing online, what can they be doing, um, you know, tangibly that then they can upload. So getting them to really think through that process um, together as a group, I think was really important. Mm -hmm. Um, The other kind of challenge that I think uh, we were mindful about was the consistency, as you talked about, kind of making sure that students had a consistent experience across the cohort. and which we kind of address through lots of kind of, uh, through the structuring. Um, But I think one of the things that we were really excited by in terms of shifting from kind of a really tangible, physical thing to a more, um, to this digital online collaboration space was how the students responded by really digging into the design process. They really kind of seemed to provide provided a space for them to do a lot more reflection on their process as they progressed, um, which was so exciting to see in terms of kind of what we were trying to teach them, but also meant that we could kind of encourage them to stay in various stages more. So we're like, you know, we could start encourage them to stay in the ideation phase, I think, for longer. Um, Whereas when we were doing the physical thing, because they had materials, they wanted to move quickly, quickly to the prototyping stage, because that was, you know, in response to the kind of media they had, whereas with this one, because they were working online, there was a lot more research that they felt like they could do um, before they moved into, you know, as part of their ideationing. So yeah, that was kind of interesting to see the different, how the different um, spaces facilitated different types of learning. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: And what would, what do you think are the positives that will come out of this? Obviously, this whole environment, even with, I think, industry practice, the way we work, the way we design, it's going to change. It's it's going to evolve now because of this forced, um, I think, element. So what do you think were the positives that come, came out of this?
1: Um, oh, there were so many, I think. Um, one of the things that uh, we did, um, for this kind of p- pushed really hard or kind of made kind of worked really hard to kind of in- keep, uh, for the intensive was, um, still including, uh, an a version of welcome to country. So we had mm-hmm. Derek Sandy, who's a, um, Yagra man, who's a traditional custodian of the, um, of the region, um, that the Botanic Gardens was kind of was, it was based in, um, Shift to father doing a welcome to country, doing a yarn about country, which included a dejewee do performance. Um, and I was kind of by f- making that forefront and centre as kind of part of the kickoff for each intensive, it really yep. kind of made that um, kind of central to, I think, the student experience. Um, it kind of really provided a great energy as we kicked off as well. But I was really excited to see how students were then using that information in their design practice and incorporating that kind of perspective. Um, I think that's really it was really exciting and kind of working with Derek to kind of take, the, to take this very traditional knowledge and shift it into a kind of really contemporary um, kind mm. of technological space was really exciting. I think that um, kind of was a great learning for me to see how that could work. Um, The other thing that I think was really exciting and kind of I want to see, I guess I can kind of see being really important is when I was doing some research with design intensive students last year, they were talking about how they really wanted to have ways to capture their process so they could take them to um, kind of, you know, job interviews, put them in portfolios, things like that. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think the things like the Miro boards um, allowed that, allowed that capturing of their kind of process um that they can kind of then use to kind of reflect on and also kind of uh, you know in terms of job applications and things like that so i think Mm -hmm. there's really rich space in the digital world to to make use of that sort of stuff
0: yeah that's that's actually a pretty unique one because usually the students who go to second third fourth year they start to think about their portfolio it's it's interesting that um that they were thinking about it from a first year i definitely know that I wasn't, I think that clued on when, when we, did, we did things. Yeah, um, I think
1: that's a, a really kind of, you know, getting them to think early about what they, what they do and how they do it um, and how they yeah. can, can communicate that is exciting.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And on the contrary, did you have any challenges? Did you have any student um, issues to deal with?
1: Um, we did have an issue of a Zoom bomber that was pretty mm-hmm. um, hard. Uh it would tend to not being a student at all. It ended up being someone who uh because came you know must have we think from kind of old IT investigated um got the information about the intensive from another student and then kind of came in and disrupted some things, um, which we managed to shut down pretty quickly and kind of resolve. Yep. Uh but it was a big learning in terms of just kind of being mindful that People will do that, um, yeah. and how, how to navigate that. Uh, so we kind of implemented some more security protocols, and that kind of resolved it for the duration. But yeah. just being kind of mindful that this online space is an online space that kind of most a lot of people can access um, <laughs> was a big learning for me. Um, it was, yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, I think
1: I think um, password
0: protecting it obviously is the is the easiest method. Did you think that? essentially mitigates it?
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, um, one of the things that we kind of were looking at was also we were kind of also using Zoom breakout rooms extensively, and they um, also kind of provide a, a level of protection or kind of uh kind of providing you know waiting room functions and class lists as a com- combination so there's a kind of a few different ways to mitigate that um, i guess the other issue the issue was mm-hmm. what was the scale that we were working on you know if you're working on a scale of like you know 20, class of 20 um it's a lot more containable mm. than you're working on a you know a class of 6, 600 so um i think yeah. you kind of just need to be mindful of the scale that you're working on and what what works for each scale
0: yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's the challenge here. This is one of the reasons I wanted to talk with you because of the sheer scale of, you know, managing 600 people, well, 600 students, not just people. And um, and then actually guiding them through a design process. Now, what was the feedback from the students? Did they find the experience a positive one?
1: Yeah. Um, we've had some really positive feedback from students saying, thanks, you know, they were, I think they were firstly really grateful that we, Pursued going ahead with the learning, you know, because especially at a time. I mean, it, it it's only been two weeks now, really, since we've done it. But at that time in particular, everything felt very uncertain. Um, I think now people are kind of, you know, kind of COVID in Australia in particular is kind of becoming, seeming less. It's kind of on the on the downward curve. We hope. So I think it's feeling less like kind of stressful, but I think Mm. students really appreciated that we kind of pursued it, that we had, um, we created a really great positive learning environment for them. Um, But also, I think the students were also aware that the skills that they learnt about online collaboration, about how to work together in groups remotely, are going to serve them really well and we're seeing that kind of coming up in the feedback that they're giving and the kind of reflections that we're asking them to submit now and um, they, yeah, a lot of, there was a kind of a few comments as well which I thought was really interesting about students who felt that the online space actually served them better in terms of feeling confident to put ideas forward um, and also um, to kind of, you know, because it's slightly anonymous or they're working on kind of, you know, you're not just speaking, but you're also kind of writing on, drawing things. They could put forward ideas in multiple forms so that they they kind of, the way that they communicated could suit them. So I thought that was really interesting as well.
0: Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, no, that's actually interesting. The, the The students that I was managing, we actually asked them what they thought throughout the process, you know, in the mornings, the second day, third day, and so on. And um, the consistent theme that we kept getting was, this is great, we don't have to leave our bedrooms so we can just literally wake up at 8.50 and then be in class at nine o'clock, right? <laughs> I'm like, really, Would you would rather do this than actually be in a camp? They're like, yes, absolutely, it's just, it's just easier. We've got, we can just go to the kitchen and get all the food. And I'm like, oh, wow,
1: <laughs> <a> different generation. <laughs> but, you know, the thing that I think that was interesting is that we were, I was kind of, the thing that I was concerned about potentially was um, this experience is quite formative for the students in terms of building connections across the disciplines and building friendships as they go into their university studies. And I really wanted to make sure that that kind of continued um, because it's university can be quite an isolating experience if you don't kind of have that form that experience, those, build those connections early, yeah. but they all seem to build really strong connections with the people in their groups because I guess of that intensive mode even though they were working online versus in person those those, those connections were being built and that was really lovely to see
0: yeah yeah no that's good and, and that's the beautiful part about this whole intensive because I'm still friends with some of my group members from from the design camp back in 2000 um 2008 so wow. it's yeah it's great like and uh, like Tanya Desplat she was from the industrial background like we still stay in touch and we literally met on camp so it, it's brilliant
1: oh that's and, so um, good yeah
0: <laughs> <laughs> now giving looking at uh, doing some forecasting and looking into the future do you think that this will change the way we teach design
1: Whew. i mean i think it's definitely going to change how sharon and i or whoever else does the design intensive in the future does it i think it's mm-hmm. opened our eyes to the possibilities of um, what the design intensive can be, um, particularly mm-hmm. because um, because we're working in across such a large cohort of di- various different you know dis- disciplines. Um, some of the disciplines that aren't as um, you know so it's not the, the non spatial, the experiential disciplines such as um, interaction design or visual design or industrial design previously might have felt a bit disconnected from the tasks mm-hmm. of, of the kind of the theme of the unit, which is place and the fact that we're so kind of place-based when we go to um, sites. Mm-hmm. So I think this will give, gives us a kind of some potential for how we can um, in, incorporate more disciplines or kind of incorporate more disciplines perspectives into the design intensive. Um, I also do think there's something about um, w- one of the things we had done early in the workshops that kind of led up to the intensive was kind of doing, doing lots of research and sending the students out into the gardens and then kind of move, move into an online space. So I think there's something about the combination of having that physical and the digital and kind of working in combination um, that we will definitely be wanting to pursue because I think that was a really strong thing. I don't think that the ideas or the student experience would be as strong as we hadn't had those um, initial workshops in place.
0: Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. I know one of, the, one of the students actually did send one of their members um, out to the garden to do a site visit. And um, they took back photos and half of the presentation where they did collages and things like that came from the photos that they took. So yeah. I'm, I'm glad, but I think that group was a little bit different. It's simply because one of the, one of the group members just used to live across the uh, river in South Bank. So the short stroll, and I think it just came about naturally, but I think you're, you're right in, in, in saying that it's, it, I think the sweet spot is somewhere in between where we combine that digital realm as well as the physical. We can't, I think, just be 100% with one. Yeah. And, um, you know, looking at you know students going in, into, the, into practice in 2025, 2030, 2035, 2040, they're going to need those skills more than what we do. So I think you're absolutely spot on with that. I think, which actually takes me to my next question. How do you think universities and schools can effectively teach online, knowing where this is going to be headed?
1: Oof. Um, well, I think... <laughs> Bit of a tough one. <laughs> Just solve the problem. Um, yeah. I think <laughs> the thing that... Uh, the thing that made this successful or one of the things I think we, we did that was right was f- making the challenges um, that students were experiencing part of the, their, their job to solve. So we weren't necessarily trying to make solve their problems. We were making the stuff like what platform were you using, how are you going to work together as a group, um, you know, the fact that you have to work remotely. Um, part of the challenge for them. So each group was kind of coming up with different solutions and they were having to think through those solutions um, and what worked for their individual teams um, together um, Mm -hmm. rather than kind of being kind of more didactic in terms of, you know, this is the situation and this is, you know, your your solution is going to follow this um, tangent. So I think that's kind of a really strong way to go because it first encourages students to kind of think through their situations a bit more and also kind of um, gives them experience and challenge in kind of solving those wicked problems, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's the beauty of it. It's it's that critical thinking, that creative problem solving that allows them to move forward in, in rather than us telling them this is the solution, go and move forward with it. They're finding their own path. And I think because of that, they'll, they'll have that knowledge, that skill set for the rest of their career, essentially. So that's great. That's great. And do you have any practice tips for the students? You know, I do get some students that listen to this, uh, these podcasts as well. And they, they are always wanting to know about design and their techniques and whatever. Do you have any tips and advice for them, you know, looking at how this whole paradigm shift is going to be towards online, the digital realm, the more and more they go into practice. Do you have any tips for them?
1: Oh, I mean, I think the thing to kind of be mindful about is that, um, you know, the process is the same whether you're working in a digital or a virtual. Um, So like kind of being kind of just being really mindful about process. Um, I think that you the but having said that, the other aspect of that is I think you need to be really mindful about the platforms you're using because they do shape how you think. And so yeah. I think trying to do, trying this, trying to maybe do challenge, solve the same design challenge across multiple different problems and uh, platforms, and seeing how your um, approaches shifted because of the of the technology you're using or because of the kind of constraints that you're working in is a really important thing to to do. Mm -hmm. Um, The other thing that I think would be is kind of important is to work out um, what your communication style is and work Mm -hmm. out if that works for the people you're communicating (laughs) with.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, So, kind of, I think the more, the, the, the kind of thinking about different ways you can communicate the same information in multiple different formats. Um, is really important, particularly in a digital space where you might not necessarily be work, talking or working face-to-face. So it will be able to take in those body language cues. Um, so kind of providing multiple places, um, ways for, to communicate ideas is really important.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I think the other side of the coin, especially in the learning and teaching, is the teaching aspect. So do you have any advice for the educators listening in? <laughs>
1: um, I think guess my main two top tips are really think through what you're wanting the the student journey to be and maybe like we kind of mapped it out really clearly like you know this go here think about this um you know we'll use this platform then and then we'll shift to that platform and how will we get from that platform to this platform so we didn't lose students on that journey because it's kind of easy to you know if you have a tech issue for them to you know to kind of a trick slowly over time um so kind of trying to keep it simple in terms of reducing the amount of platforms you are you using um and the other thing is use Miro because it's amazing yeah <laughs> back <up> again. <laughs> Absolutely. Not that I, I don't work for them but you know like it was, it was really <laughs> impressive yeah.
0: no look i I think I'm an advocate of Miro and Miro like platforms like that help um, even even in industry practice you know if if there 's designers in Thailand and designers in the u s and Australia and you 're collaborating to deliver a project that 's in you know russia you're that 's what the world 's coming to and and I think those kinds of platforms definitely do come in handy because you can still sketch something, work on your desk, and then you know upload it so that your designers on the other side of the world can collaborate, add to it, build something and 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 move forward so I think that's been great so maddie seriously thank you so much for being here today and giving up your time um there's been a lot of takeaways for educators and the students as well especially given the current climate so thank you so much
1: you're very welcome thank you for having me
0: that's it for today everyone now it's time to essentially jump on to rishansanayaka.com forward slash podcast and check out the show notes from today click on the direct links um, available on that page and get into the extraordinary teaching work that Maddie is doing in education and feel free to reach out to her um, as detailed. So lastly click subscribe and share your love and a review. I'd love to hear your thoughts and feedback about the topic for today as well. So till next time.